Well, I love to start off every single message with some jokes, and I know we have a lot of people that are learning how to adult in the room, so I'm going to give you some adult tips, okay? <laughs> Being an adult is having the we-have-food-at-home talk with yourself. <laughs> Do you have that? Yeah. When your parents say, go to your room and think about what you've done, it's really good practice for what you'll be doing every night as an adult. <laughs> Why'd I do that? <laughs> if replacing a dirty dish sponge with a new one gets you in a good mood, you're an official adult. <laughs> right? Yes, so good. Works so nice. Adulthood is, re is when you relate with Squidward instead of Spongebob. <laughs> Lastly, me at 10. Why do adults watch HG HGTV 12 years later? Tile floor. Why would someone put tile floor? Use carpet. <laughs> right? You're an adult. Well, happy Easter. Today we uh, have a message. It's called, Have a Seat at the Table. Everyone has a seat. When I was growing up, I would go to my grandpa's house after church, and we'd go and enjoy a Easter dinner. And he would make ham. He would make uh, tomatoes that he'd cut out the middle and then put a bunch of bread in them. I don't know what those are called, if you guys know. Like, yeah, that's what he made. <laughs> and he'd make all this food. And so he'd invite everybody over for dinner, and there would be uncles I haven't seen in a while, and cousins, and I don't know about your guys' family, but my family necessarily didn't get along all the time. Did anybody else deal with that? No? But it didn't matter at Easter, because Grandpa was going to invite you, and you're going to enjoy ham together, and mashed potatoes, and everybody's just going to get along, Right? And so my grandpa just loved having people over at his house so much that he built an addition off the back of his house and then bought a bunch of folding chairs and he had TV trays. Do you guys remember TV trays? Yeah. He had a bunch of TV trays for your folding chairs because if there wasn't enough room at the table, you know, he's going to make room for you. He even went to the extent of like building an addition simply to host more, more parties and more people at his house. He just loved people. He loved being around everyone. And so after dinner, we would um, go and lay on a shag carpet. <laughs> that was great. And he had the in-ground heating, in-floor heating, where, you know, the carpet's always really nice and warm. And we just lay there and pass out with food coma. It was great. This was Easter growing up. It was an amazing time. And I was just thinking about my grandpa this, this week, just talking about Easter, and thinking that we all have a seat at the table, that God's given each one of us a seat. He's opened up the door. He's made the table for us. He's put out a chair for us to enjoy. We've been studying the book of Nehemiah, and we're going to actually read Nehemiah 5 today. And you're going to see how Nehemiah 5... <laughs> works with the Easter story at the same time. But Nehemiah is actually a guy who God breaks his heart for a city to go and rebuild the wall around the city to protect the city, but also to, to help people uh, establish their own lives and to invite people 
to come into the temple. And so Nehemiah builds a city, it's, uh, or this wall, it's three miles long, it's 10 foot wide, and it's 50 feet high out of block. Okay, so like this is a really big project for Nehemiah. He gets the entire city involved. Everybody's participating. They're all working really hard, except for some haters. But you always have that. And Nehemiah pushes past that. And so we're going to pick it up where the wall is actually built about halfway, halfway high. And then um, we're going to talk through that. So Nehemiah 5. If you guys want to turn there, it's also going to be up here on the screen. Nehemiah 5. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Then we're going to jump right into God's word. Lord, we just thank you so much for this time together that we just get to spend together to worship you, to sing to you. God, we thank you that you are a risen God, that you are alive, you are here today. And so, Lord, we just uh, invite this word to just speak directly to our hearts. You know what each one of us in this room uh, need to hear and what you brought us in the doors to hear. And so, God, I just, uh, just choose to get out of your way. Holy Spirit, would you just speak directly through me? Would you speak to your church? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Nehemiah 5. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against the fellow Jews. So if it says men and wives in the Old Testament, this means like everybody. This is a really big outcry. Everyone's very upset. And this is what they're upset about. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields and our vineyards and our homes to get grain during this famine. Still others were saying, we had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on the fields and vineyards. So what's happening here is there's three groups of people. There's people with a lot of family, but yet alone, like there's no, there's no food for them. They, have, um, they don't own anything, and so like there's a really big need here. Then we also have people who have a large family and also own vineyards and, and own a lot of land, but the problem is, is they've been, just came back from Babylon, and so they're just putting this all back together. They just came back to their city, and they don't have money for seed, and they're, everybody's starving. In verse 5, it says, although we are of the same flesh and blood as the rest of our people, and though our children are as good as theirs... Yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. When I heard this outcry and these charges, I was very angry. Nehemiah hears the people, and he becomes very angry. But check out what he does right after this. In verse 7, I pondered them in my mind, and then accuse the nobles and officials. So he gets really angry about this gigantic, like this is, this is totally not right, right? And so he's upset about this, and then he goes and he ponders it in his mind. How awesome would it be when you get really upset about something if you took a second to ponder it before reacting, right? I know I would really benefit from that. Yeah ponder it in my mind. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? <laughs> I told them, you are charging your own people interests. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as is possible, we have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles, and we are now selling our own people, 
only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could have find nothing to say. So I continued, what are you doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in fear of our God and avoid the reproach of the Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain. But let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses, and also the interest you are charging them, 1% of the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. And we will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. So Nehemiah is outraged about this, and he approaches people. He ponders it after he's prayed. He actually approaches people and says, what are we doing? We are all of the same blood. We're all working together. Like everybody else was working on the walls, this huge project. But once the wall got about halfway reestablished, all of a sudden there started to become uh, little areas that like people started saying, well, you, now you work for me. Before, it was actually a place of really brokenness and everybody was coming back from Babylon. We were all very broken. We were all working together. But it was only once the wall got about halfway reestablished It made him angry. He pondered this and he prayed. And this is why I want to say today is that Nehemiah was a forward thinker. Nehemiah was a forward thinker. His goal was never to reestablish classes or put people into certain groups. His goal was to reestablish the people of God, to bring everybody together again. He was a forward thinker. Because if it's not equality, it's not Christianity. We all have a seat at the table. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Christ Jesus. That he died on a cross for us and then he was raised again. And he is alive and he is living today. Jesus broke down the wall of separation of classes. When he rose again, he reestablished a new family line, a new bloodline that we are all adopted into. That you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. He tore through the walls that separated us. Paul says, through the power of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, in Ephesians 1, 3 through 5, he says, Praise be to our God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Check this out. Verse 4, it says, For he chose us in him before creation, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. I need you to know that Jesus has chosen you before, before you were even born, he had plans for your life. He chose you before the creation of the world. He was thinking about you coming to City Church 2021. He was thinking about the plans that he has, the, the, the purpose that he's made you for. God has always been thinking about you. It, the, the thing is with God is like sometimes we try to put God in a capacity of ourself but God's capacity is huge. We can't fathom it. And so even before the creation of time, he was thinking about your life. He chose you. He grabbed you. He said, I want you in my family. 
Paul goes on to say in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. He predestined you. He predestined us. God loves us so much that, so much that he rewrote our family. He chose us, he predestined us, and he put us into his family. We are now in the family of God. God loves having you in his family, as sons and daughters. And everybody has a seat at the table. There's nothing that can separate us from the amazing love of God. He knows that you can't make it on your own. That's why he broke through the grave to come, become alive again so that he can live out our life with us. And a lot of times when we think of the resurrection, we think of eternity. And yes, we get to live in eternity with God. Like how amazing is that heaven? If you put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, that you can actually live eternally with Jesus. How amazing is that? That's awesome. But even more amazing than that is that you can have the best life possible on this earth. You can have the best life possible right here on this earth. That Jesus wants to walk through life with us. He wants to be our hope when we're hopeless. He wants to be our peace when we don't have any peace and we're completely stressed out. We don't have to work all by ourselves. He broke through the grave to be a part of our life. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a risen Lord. He's a part of us. He's, he's in our active being. He, he's, he, he loves us so much that he's just with us in all things. He wants to be our compassion for people. Even when we don't like them, Jesus can give you compassion because he's alive and he's living. He wants to be part of our hard parenting questions. He wants to be a part of that. When you're trying to figure out what to do, what am I doing with my kids? Like, <laughs> you don't have to go search it out. Like, Jesus wants to be a part of that. He wants to be a part of a, a rough patch in our marriage. Jesus wants to be a part of that. Give us peace in that. When we're trying to figure out what our future is and the plans are, Jesus wants to be a part of that. And it's a free gift. He invites us to the table. God's a God of folding chairs. Everybody has a seat. We all get a seat at the table. Every single one of us are invited into this. And so maybe this message is like, yeah, oh, I've heard this before. I've been following Jesus for a while. And, and my invite for you today is sometimes we get so busy doing for Jesus that we forget to just be with Jesus. And so I invite you this week to just take some time just sitting at a table and just saying, Jesus, I just want to know you more. For him to renew that passion and that desire for, for him alone. There's others of us that like, didn't really know that we were invited to the table for a community. Let me, let me just break down really quick what the city church is. 
It's a group of people on a journey to know Jesus Christ. Like, none of us have this stuff figured out. We're all learning daily. None of us lives are completely perfect. And so you're invited into this journey together with other people. You don't have to figure this stuff out on your own. That's why God established the church for each one of us to know him more. And we start off with that scripture, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on. So like when we gather together, our goal is to encourage one another. It's not to beat up on anyone or anything like that. You all have a seat at the table. I'll start 18 more services if this place runs out of room. There will always be a seat here at, you, at this church because we're all on this journey together. And lastly, for some people in the room, maybe you didn't know that God is like not angry with you, but he loves you, that he's inviting you into a relationship with him. Maybe you've heard about a religious God and you thought about the man upstairs and he's always upset with you. That's not God. He loves you so much that he broke through the grave to have a relationship with you. He wants your heart. He wants to be a part of your life. So I just invite you today to take your seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Just invite Jesus to say, Jesus, come into my heart and fill me with your love. Everybody's asked into this. The one thing for, for me personally is the thing that constantly separated me from God was myself. I would carry the things that I had done all the time and they weighed me down so much. I had so much guilt and shame from the life of like a mess of a life that I was in that I never like accepted Jesus Christ. And the entire time Jesus was like, Neil, I just wanna be with you. I just wanna be with you. I love you so much. So if there's anything that's saying like, oh, God could never like love me, never adopt me. He doesn't know what I've done. I just want you to know that's not God. That's the enemy. Jesus loves you so much. He risked everything for us. And the gift is free. It's available today. Have a seat. Take your seat at the table. I just want to pray for, um, yeah, I just, want to, I just want to pray for us as a, as a church. And also, if, you've, if, you're just, if you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know what, I, I need to try something else in life. Like, my life is, is not working out like I thought it would. You're like, you know what, I need to try something else. I just want you to know it's Jesus. The gift is here today. He would love to be in your life. So you can just say, Jesus, come into my heart and fill me with your love. Just I surrender everything to you, Jesus. And watch how he will change your life, radically change your life. All of a sudden, you will have hope in areas you were completely hopeless. Areas that, in, in areas of your life that used to just completely stress you out, all of a sudden, you will start to have peace in those. This is what Jesus does. This is why he's alive. This is why he's living 
So I'm just going to go ahead and pray. And then if that's you today, I just invite you to just go ahead and say that. Jesus, come into my heart and fill me with your love. So God, we just thank you so much for that you broke through all the veils. You broke through everything, God, that, that you are alive and living. You are here. You are among us today. There is nothing that can separate us from your amazing love. And so, Lord, I just pray for people in this room that just a, a new passion, a new desire, a new zeal to just spend time with you, Jesus, in their day-to-day life. Lord, that uh, we would just wake up in the morning and be drawn to your word. That we just wake up in the morning and be drawn to your voice and, and just start having a connection with you. God, I just pray for anyone in this room that's just been doing so much, just working so hard to finally be approved by you, God, that we would just come to a realization of you just approve. You call us sons and daughters. And lastly, God, I just pray for anyone in this room that just wants to surrender their life. Lord, would faith just rise up? Would faith rise up in this room, Lord, as we, as we just put our hope and our trust in you? Just say, Jesus, come into my heart and would you fill me with your love? Would you guys just say that with me? Jesus, come into my heart and fill me with your love. I'm gonna go ahead and invite you to say that one more time. Jesus, come into my heart and fill me with your love. You're so good to us, God. Just sent your presence here this morning. Jesus, you are here. You are alive. You are living. You are the one that we sing to. You are worthy of everything that we could offer. And so, Lord, as we close out with this last song, we just sing praises to your name of who you've called us and how you've brought us in. Lord, I just pray that that would just be more than just our lungs singing, but it would be from our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.